thanks for joining us. It's episode five of Bell to Bell on VIP YouTube. This week we have fast-talking, hard-hitting boxing chat ahead of a busy weekend in the ring. For Bell to Bell newcomers, we cover six topics over six three-minute rounds. A lot of verbal action. I'm Steve Lillis. With me this week is my old mate, a guy who writes some great stories in boxing news, the WBC interim bridgeweight champion, franchise <laughs> edition, John Evans, and a very special guest this week, um, a great friend of mine, one of the best and certainly the most knowledgeable man or boxing journalist on the newspaper beat these days, Chris McKenna of the Daily Star, man who uh, really does know his stuff, believe me. Chris, good of you to join us and give you give us some time. I'm sure you've got a couple topics that you know you'll be raging over and getting John Evans snarling over. Everything okay, Chris? Um, you uh, hidden away from your dog that's usually jumping on your neck and everything. Yeah, I've had to put him to bed for an hour uh, because he'd be barking in the back road, probably <laughs> telling me off. But it might, it might be handy to tell me to shut up at times. But after that big villain, I've I've got a lot to live up to. I feel like. Uh, it must feel like what a fighter is when the promoter comes out with some big spiel about them. But uh, I'm under pressure now to deliver, so hopefully it goes well. You know your stuff, mate. I tell you what, there's enough frauds out there. You're not one of them. That's all I'll say. John, you're, you're, you're down the road from me in Oldham. I can hear you growling, snarling from here in Ashton, honestly. The, no, it's not. The glass not, is clicking here. Your, your, oh, your dog is asleep. Dog's next week. My one's somewhere in the house. <laughs> John, what you been they, they probably talk more sense than us anyway. <laughs> yeah, they have. <laughs> John, what's your first topic? Are we getting going? Yeah. Right, just let, let this countdown start so we get it all right for Mr. Hogan, who does the editing. I want to talk about one of the most underrated, underappreciated fighters in British boxing. I'm talking about Jack Catterall. Um, a great lad, a devastating puncher, looks the part. Got it all, but I think he's been let down by a bit of unimaginative matchmaking, um, some inactivity. I just can't put my finger on why people haven't grasped onto Jack. His two highest profile fights, one was against safety first Tyrone Nurse, the other was against an O'Hara Davis who'd had his nose bust against Josh Taylor and didn't want to commit. Um, I just think Jack's ready to go. Um, I know he's fighting on November the 25th, uh, 28th, sorry, on the undercard of Dude Warren Joyce. I'm glad he's going to get some momentum behind him. He's let Taylor and Ramirez fight out to find out who's the number one in the world. He's going to get his world title shot next year. And I just think Jack is going to really thrive under pressure. When the spotlight's on him, he's not going to be found wanting. We're going to see the best Jack Catterall. And I think this time next year, we might be having an entirely different uh, discussion about him. I think, I get you said that the unimaginative between against Nurse and Davis, but... I think he's been one of the best match fighters in the country. Look, he's got a 25 and 0. He's had, oh, at a guess, a dozen of these WBO fringe title fights, and they've got him that mandatory spot, John. Not, not through beating Nurse and Davis. They, they've got him that spot. You know, I mean, he's getting, I guess he's getting handsomely paid to step aside. Um, and he will get his chance um, for the lot, or, or if Josh Taylor wins, I think it'll be a vacant WBO because. Um, he'll, he'll move up to welterweight, but I think he's been matched perfectly. I've got, I've got to be honest with you. I think he's made a good decision in, in taking the step aside because although you, you want your chance, the Ramirez fight for Jack's kind of profile at the minute, I don't think he would get 
the money he deserves for going into such a tough fight at the moment. By stepping aside, he's getting his bit of, bit of dough now. Obviously, the gam the risk is that he ends up fighting for a vacant title against somebody we haven't heard of if the winner of that unification undisputed fight moves up. But imagine if he if Josh Taylor wins, wins all the belts, is free of any p- potential rematches clauses, which you'd hope he would be with the deal they struck, comes back, has a big homecoming fight in Edinburgh against Jack Catterall. What a moment that would be for Jack Catterall to have that huge fight. You'd become a superstar in that fight. Rather than taking it now, going over to Las Vegas, maybe fighting in a bubble for a fraction of what, what the fight would be worth against Ramirez. But I agree, he has maybe gone in under the radar for the skills he has. And what I like about Jack is he's done what is nearly old school now, but only a few fights he did. He went over to America, he sparred with people, he learned his trade, improved himself a lot over there. And there we go. Right. Right, I'm doing, fellas, for round two to Callum back. It's about Kel Brook. Obviously, he goes against Terence Crawford this weekend. Again, showing he'll fight anybody. A lot of debate over the bust-up with Eddie over, you know, Eddie not being involved in this fight and him leaving. But to me, his next loss is his last, and he deserves it to do it his way. He's been good for Eddie. Eddie's been good for him, I think. I think, you know, I, I support him doing it this way. I mean, he's fought anyone. The portal win in 2014 was one of Britain's best ever in America. You know, you think of Porter since then. Lost to Thurman, split the schism to Spence. He's beaten Garcia, good men like Berto, Granados. You know, Brook fought Golovkin and Spence inside eight months, and certainly Eddie would have earned well out of that. And even domestically, he's ended Michael Jennings' career. And only a year earlier, Jennings had fought fought Miguel Cotto at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, he's getting a lot of stick for this fight with the Eddie situation and being absolutely... There's been no respect shown for Brook for this fight. It's really annoyed me. And if you look at the men Crawford's fought at World Away, Paul, Benavides Jr., Amir, uh, was it Cavaluascus last time? I think that's his four World Away fights. Now, if Brook could have beaten all those four... And none of them will get in the will get in the level of criticism that Kel's getting. I want, just wanted your view on that, fellas. I, I think he deserves full credit for taking it and going over to fight. I think one of the coldest, most, most ruthless champions in the world, as well as one of the most skillful. Crawford's uh, a real nasty piece of work, and he'll be looking to make an example of Brook. Um, this is Crawford's biggest name at welterweight, as you just said, Steve. You know, he's he's not been able to snare one of the real names, has he? Now he's got his opportunity. And, I feel a bit bad for Keller. I think he'll be in the fight for three or four rounds, but yeah. I think Crawford might just set about making an example of him just to prove that he really is up there with the likes of Spence. I, I, I've no problem with what he's done with Eddie. If he didn't want to kind of involve him in the deal, if he felt he got the deal he wanted without a promoter doing the negotiating for him, if it is could be his last fight, you want to get the max money, especially because the money's probably not what it would be if it was a, a packed-out arena. No problem with that. I think Eddie's issue was that this, the comments he made, which he was unhappy with. My worry for Brook is he's going in this without Dominic, Dominic Ingle. His best performances have been with Dom in the corner. Um, and just that just seems to me that he's not maybe taking it fully serious in, in the job that's on hand. And that's what's going to be the big challenge for him. You've got to have everything to go in against Crawford. You've got to be 100% on everything. He looks on the weight, Brook, for once. He doesn't look like he's going to be crashing it. But I think you need your proper trainer in your corner. 
We don't know much about this guy he's brought in. Kel doesn't seem to know much about him either, which is quite worrying. That's my big worry for him. Chris, and your round three's over to you, Chris. Yes, so I wanted to go with um, the round, round timings in women's boxing. There's been a big debate over it, and I am back in sticking with two-minute rounds for the time being for women's boxing. There's a big push to go three minutes to be equal with the men, and I understand where people are coming from. We should have both sports, or men and women, equal in the sport. No problem with that. But I'll tell you what, two-minute rounds give you a different spectacle. We get all-out action for the whole two minutes, and we've seen it in the top-level fights in, in the women's boxing since the return in, in this lockdown with uh, Harper Jonas, which was just bang action for the 10 rounds. The same um, more recently with Amy Timlin and Carly Skelly. If that fight was 10 threes, it wouldn't, wouldn't have gone the distance, and two, neither of those fighters could have fought at that pace for those three minutes. Now, look, women's boxing will continue to develop, and they'll be able to do three minutes eventually. Oh, they can do three minutes now. That's, that's a wrong phrase. They can do three minutes now. But isn't it great that it's just a little different from the men's? It gives you something else. It's like watching nearly a different sport at times. Those, those two-minute rounds give us full-on pace, it's, it's, it's non-stop action. It's great. It's something different for the viewer. The big argument for three minutes rounds is that we might get more stoppages. But what good is that going to be for the development of women's boxing? If, it, if people are just getting stopped because they're tired halfway through a bout, that's no good. We want to see action all the way. I don't think by bringing in three minutes, minute rounds now, you're going to suddenly see more explosive knockouts, which is what will grow the sport because that will get it on social media more get more highlight reels. But I think for now, we should stick with two minutes until the next lot of Olympians come through because they're going up to three minutes for the next lot. Then you can maybe look at it. But for now, especially at like Commonwealth level, title level, any of that kind of level, it should be, for me, two-minute rounds. I think you made a terrific point there, Chris. And the point I'd like to add on that, I mean, I can't dispute any of that. I'd love to have a row with you, but I can't. <laughs> um, and the women's boxing has been excellent. But also... If they start having all every, you'll get promoters starting every fight over three minutes, women's, and a lot of the women aren't good enough at the moment. That's no disrespect. They're entitled to turn professional and win fights. They're not good enough to fight three minutes. Yeah, we're getting a new breed coming through, aren't we? People like Scottney and people like that who are going to be real solid, real fighters. But I, I agree. I think at the moment we're getting uh, bang for your buck is the cliche, isn't it? You're getting more action packed into 20-minute, 10-round fight. Both girls can go all out. Some of the girls aren't, aren't good enough. Look at the girl Chantel Cameron fought for the world title recently. If they were three-minute rounds, Chantel, I imagine, would have stopped in five or six. Uh, but I agree, Chris. I think we need to get more experience, keep giving people what we want to see. And um, I'll time myself out. John, over to you again, round four. Yeah, lightweight division. It's one of the classics, isn't it? Look at, if you look back through the past, Benny Leonard, Roberto Duran, Pernell Whitaker. Henry Armstrong, um, I think at the moment we've got a fantastic era. Just look at this top 10. We've got Teofimo Lopez, Tank Davis, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell. I'll throw in my little dark horse, Felix Verdejo. We've got Camboso who beat Selby. It's getting to a point where we've got a real strong top 10. And it's also going to get to a point where we can't avoid each other. You know, it's going to be such an in-depth division. There's something for everybody. You've got the nasty puncher in Davis. You've got the, the new golden boy, Garcia. You've got 
Lopez, who can do a little bit of everything. You've got Haney, who can box. Um, so many good matchups, so many big personalities, so many egos. I think we could be set for a real fantastic three years in this division. You know what? It's reminding me. It, it, it's become sexy again, and I'll get to why in a minute. Um, you've got to go back to maybe the mid-80s now, when you had Whitaker, Chavez, Edwin Rosario, Frankie Randall. Ray Mancini was just coming towards the end, and a lot of that was getting going. Jose Luis Ramirez, and what? And it was it was sexy. Everyone wanted to be a lightweight then. I think it was eighty-nine or ninety. Azumar Nelson jumped two weights to fight Pernell Whitaker, and I think he went a distance and gave it his best shot. We, we, we must probably in a lightweight division that's as strongest as it's been since the mid-eighties, and that that mid-eighties was a got like it was for a lot of divisions, a golden era for the lightweights. Yeah, I think lightweight is such a good division as well because I think you get a great mix of of speed, power punches, knockouts. You get everything that maybe sometimes at the heavier weights it's a bit slower where it's all action at lightweight and some of the talent there. And, and you still can't rule out Lomachenko. I know he got beat by Lopez. He's still there. He could still come back. Would you back, would you back against him to fight any of those guys? Even though people said, oh, it's proven he's not big enough for these guys, at the big lightweights. But... Uh, if you start a bit earlier in that Lopez fight, he might win it. And then suddenly the division looks a lot different. But the other thing that's exciting about it is all those names are of all young as well. Very young. Still learning. Someone like Devin Haney is, what, 21? He's still learning. How good is he going to be when he's 25? He might be well up by at like welterweight, welterweight by then. But I think that's the most exciting part. There's so much talent in the, in the pool that's young. And then you have the older timers, the Luke Campbell and, and the, the likes of Lomachenko who could still who could still rattle it up there too. I'd tell you, it'd be criminal if Luke Campbell comes out of boxing and doesn't win a world title. He'll go on that Errol Graham and all that, the great Brits who never won a world title. And he may not win a world title. It'd be such a shame when you look at who the number... <laughs> Is it my turn again now, isn't it? Whoa, yep. we're trying here. But this one, Callum's not the one. Um, Callum Johnson, uh, row with Eddie again. You know, well, not row with Eddie. Eddie's Eddie saying, obviously, the Joe Gallagher row with Eddie has um, triggered a lot of it. Um, it. It's just, you know what? It's really harsh on Callum, all this. But it just shows how Eddie's thinking. He, he's 35 now. And he's, you know, he's just not seen as the future of um, Matro in that division when, they, when they've got Buatzi in it. And you know what? You, you, you look at Callum and it's only the last three rights he's really stepped up, you know, beating Buglioni, Monaghan, great wins. They're most probably better wins than any British light heavyweight have got wins from the top of my head. And, and the Serbia performance, uh, the, the Joe route isn't, isn't helping him, but I just don't see where, where Callum goes from here because, you know, He's burnt his bridges also with Frank Warren a long time ago. And although he's 30, he's 35 and getting on, I think it's gonna be this is gonna make it really hard for him to get back in there. I think Callum Johnson is is using that old cliche. He's one of the leading members of the, the Who Needs Him Club. Because why would why would you face him? Look at like he, he wobbled a better behave. I know people said he was overmatched after that, but I know he got stopped, but he, he gave him stuff to think about. If you're Joshua Buwati, do you need him right now? No, no I don't think so. It's, it's a fight that Buwati could win, but it's a risky fight to take at this stage of his career when he's still bedding himself into the pro ranks. And I think 
that's going to be Callum's, Callum's falling point. He is 35. He has been around a long time. He's had a lot of, un, a lot of bad things go wrong for him, promotional-wise, in the sport. And he's had this now again. And he's also had tough life outside of the ring. So it's yeah. going to be tough for him. But if he gets another chance against the right opponent, I still think Callum Johnson could win a world title. I did a double take when I saw Callum Johnson, 35, this week. It just took me by surprise, but you see, he has been around for a long time. He, Prince Nassim was looking after him when he first turned yeah. pro. Um, I was also thinking about, well, if Eddie's not going to look after him, maybe he can go to BT. But Frank, uh, he's not the type of guy that Frank would offer an olive, olive branch out to to put him in the yard and after mix, yeah. is he? You know, a 35-year-old punch who doesn't sell a ticket, really. Uh, he's, he's not going to get involved in that. There's too much money to be made with Yard, Arthur, Bawaxi, that little triangle. Um, it's just the way boxing is these days, isn't it? You don't get what you deserve a lot of the time. Yeah, the only thing, mate, I saw Callum's moaning about the money. Oh, sorry, John. Sorry, I butted in there. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't get what you earn, you get what you negotiate. And Callum, unfortunately, isn't in a good negotiating position. And he, I mean, if there, I mean I, I'm a big fan of Callum as a boxer, but... Maybe he is overpricing himself in the market, what it is at the moment. <laughs> oh, final one for the night, Chris McKenna. He's been the big voice tonight, so let's, get, let's go out on an even louder one. I don't know about that, probably talking rubbish. But, yeah, so, um, yeah, promoters having control over TV broadcasting budgets. Just don't see how it's, how it's right and how it's allowed. I don't blame the promoters. Let's get this right. Promoter's got to do what he's got to do. If he can get an exclusive deal with a broadcaster, you've got to do it. You've got to look after your fighters and you've got to do everything you can do. But how are the TV companies, why do they allow it? Why, how can you have, you would not have the Premier League being able to dictate to Sky Sports or BT Sport what other football they can negotiate for. They've got to pay the Premier League their set fee and that's it. And then they can go whatever they want to do with the rest of the money. And the same should be with boxing. They guarantee a set fee to a promoter, whether that be Eddie Hearn, Frank Warren, McKennessy, whoever you want to go with, that's fine. But they should also have a budget where they can go and buy fights because they've got to deliver for their customers. Kel Brook is the yeah. prime example. He's a Sky fighter. He know he started his career with Warren, but he's been a Sky fighter for, for the last 15 fights of his career, I think, off the top of my head. How his, his fight is possibly the crowning moment of his career if he pulls off an almighty shot is not going to be on Sky Sports. If you sat through and watched him, you've had to, as a fan, you've seen him fight Kevin Bizier, Jojo Dan, uh, Mark DeLuca, these type of fighters where you've thought, okay, give these fights to Kel. When it's, and Sky are telling you all the way through these broadcasts, the next one, the next one, the next one, here is the next one, and it's on a different channel. And fair play to Premier Sports for picking up and delivering for fans. But it's again, it's the fan is being punished. You pay for Sky Sports, you pay for BT Sports, you're told that they're in the boxing business. And then when the big fights roll around, not them all, we get some, don't get me wrong. Look at what BT are doing. Dubois Joy's free to wear or on their subscription has to be rewarded. But why is another broadcaster having to come in the mix? And I think it's down to the fact that how is Eddie Herney's got control of the Sky budget? Sky should take back and say, we control our budget. Here's your money. Look after your fighters. But Eddie's doing what he has to do, and he's doing the right thing. He's looking after the fighters who are on his side. I'm taking up all the time, so I'm going to let somebody else have a go. I'll just be quick, so I know John will have a comment. I, I, um, 
I don't blame Eddie Frank if they can get the exclusive deal, but you are right, Chris. I think it all goes back. I did an interview with um, Barney Francis at Sky for Boxing Monthly a few years ago, just, before, just as he broke it all up. And his argument was for breaking it all up and going one man was that boxing that was like 5% and a small part of the Sky industry, which it is apart from the pay-per-view, um, took up more time than what football did for him. And I think... John, I'm sorry you never had a say That's, that's, that's my fault. I was, I was I jabbering think, John, you should have a say there. We should have, like, it's been a draw, and I think you should have 30 seconds. Yeah. That's the name of the game, bell to bell. Oh, you're, I'll tell you what, mate. You're, you're the sort of guy that has an after eight at five to eight and has a party, <laughs> isn't you, right? Oh, bell to bell. You won't break the rule for anybody, Evans. I'll say, I, I think it opens up another interesting question that we get told constantly, but boxing's bigger than it's ever been. Yet we get told that nobody would have watched the greatest fight on the planet, Lomachenko fight Lopez. You can't, both statements aren't true. If boxing's bigger than it's ever been and more popular than it's ever been in the country, then Lomachenko Lopez would have got the viewing figures to justify the money. So um, someone's not telling the truth. Shall I carry on? <laughs> Go on, carry on. I'll carry, you know what? I think that. You know, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, I, I, I still think, although newspapers don't sell like anything like they did, they still generate stories. You go into the BBC, ITV, Sky, TalkSport, any, any big media industry, the head, of, the head of each department has the newspapers on his desk and they generate, you, you know. And I just think a lot of it still needs to be newspaper-driven and very few papers get the space. Uh, Chris does in the star. That's it's a challenge for everybody, and it is sometimes. But it's at every level. It's every level. I've got obviously family involved in boxing back home, and the argument is even at the local paper. Why is it always the local football team when we've got talented kids fighting in Irish championships? But it is because when we're in this bubble and we do see that boxing is massive, and sometimes when you step back, unfortunately, people a lot of people. And that's wrong, and that's probably partly the media's fault that we're not driving it enough and pushing it enough. But I also think it doesn't help when you have news channels who will only promote fights on their shows. Yeah. So I'm not going to name names, but how many reports on TV are you going to see this week of Brooke Crawford? And how many are you going to see of Katie Taylor? Who's in a very good fight, by the way. Let's not knock it. It's a very good fight. But it should also be mentioned in those reports that a British fighter is fighting for a world title against probably the top three in the world fighter. Yeah. Agreed. But we had an extra round there, so we'll, we'll give the seven-round fight tonight and we'll give it to McKenna by unanimous. Chris, <laughs> thanks for joining us, mate, and uh, we'll get you back on in a few weeks. No worries. Thanks for having me. And sorry for talking too much. Nah, you, you're good, mate. You know your stuff, mate. You know your stuff, mate. A few of these people who might hear what you say, mate, and they'll make a story out of it. Naming no names there again, mate, and they'll come up with their own idea. John, I'll speak to you next few days, pal. Brilliant. See you, Steve. Thanks for that. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, Cheers fellas. John. Cheers, Steve.